This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. So what kind of mystery do you have for us tonight, Paula? Well, I've got a cold case in Dayton, Ohio, Steve, something that is often regarded simply as the car dealership murders. Oh, so it's not UFO from Dayton this time. No, okay. no, no, it's not. This one is a, a tragic story. It happened on May 16, 1994. It was a Monday, and J.R. Motor Sales, a used car dealership on West 3rd Street on the city's west side, they usually stayed open late on Mondays till 7 p.m. Two employees inside lingered after the business day ended. Raymond Ogle, who managed the lot for the owner and his brother-in-law, and Arthur Works, a longtime salesman. Just after 8 p.m., a customer stopped in to see one of the men. The door was closed but unlocked, so he let himself into the lobby. Immediately, he saw Raymond Ogle on the floor, and in an office off the main lobby was the body of Arthur Works, Both men had been shot in the head. The customer called police. The dealership was along a well-traveled route, but the police couldn't find any witnesses. They narrowed down the time the men were killed because someone had last talked to them at 7.30 p.m. That was just a half hour before they were found. Ray Ogle was found under a desk just inside the front door. The phone of the desk was off the hook, dangling over the side. Did he see his killer, suspect what was coming, and was shot while trying to call for help? Arthur Works was on the floor of an adjacent office. The position of his body looked as if he may have tried to run. To understand a murder, you need to understand the motive. So what was the motive? Police had owner Bob Ross look over things inside the small dealership building, but nothing was missing. If anyone suspected robbery, That idea disintegrated quickly. So someone came to J.R. Motors intent on killing someone. Who? Ray or Art? Was one of them a target and the other unfortunate enough to be in the wrong place at the wrong time? While they couldn't be sure, investigators leaned toward the idea that the killer or killers 
had Ray Ogle in their crosshairs. They didn't know why, but there was one little fact about the evening that pointed in that direction. As the manager, Ray always worked late Monday. If someone had wanted to kill him, they knew he'd be there. It was not a given that Art would be lingering at the dealership after business hours. While police looked for a killer, the community mourned the loss of two loved and respected men. Artworks was 60 years old. He grew up in Alabama, the third of 11 children. He moved to Dayton in 1963 and put down new roots. He and his wife had six children, and he was very active at the United Missionary Baptist Church. He was a deacon and taught Sunday school. He also sang in the church choir. One friend said he was the kind of guy who might blush if he heard a dirty joke, and the kind of guy who always parted with the final words, God bless you. A churchgoer who had known work since childhood told a Dayton Daily News reporter, I'd always see him smiling. I don't think I've seen him upset about anything. The church friend said he called works the day he died at 5.30 p.m. They discussed his buying a car. He couldn't believe his friend was murdered two hours after that conversation. Ray Ogle was 44, an athletic man with a broad smile. He was a sharp dresser and had a charismatic personality and a distinctive hearty laugh. And he always smelled good. A neighbor at the apartment complex where he lived said the ladies liked him. He was also a good listener, the tenant told a daily news reporter. He was smart, she said. A lot of times he was laughing on the outside, but you could tell he had a serious mind. Ray grew up in a military family, and he followed his dad into the Marines. He served in Vietnam, and when he returned to Richmond, Indiana, after service, he became a Richmond police officer. He belonged to the FOP's championship softball team, where he was a power hitter. Ogle and his wife Carmen had a daughter, Talia. She picked up her dad's love of softball. He was also a father figure to many of Talia's friends. Ray and Carmen divorced, but remained on good terms. And in 1988, Ray left Richmond and the police force and moved to Dayton to manage the car dealership. Even so, his ex-wife said Ray made the hour drive to Richmond to visit his daughter on most weekends. Last year, 24 years after Ray and Art were killed, Dayton renewed efforts to find the killer. And they appeared to learn something they didn't know before. It came from an interview that WHIO-TV did with Mike Wamsley. Wamsley was Ray's old partner on the Richmond Police Force. They rode together for five years and became close friends, even after Ray left the force and the state. Wamsley often raced horses at the track in Lebanon, Ohio. And shortly before Ray's death, he joined Wamsley at the track. Ray was in the company of a woman, though Wamsley couldn't remember her name. Wamsley recalled the woman later when he learned Ray had been physically assaulted. Ray told his old friend it was no big deal. It was a squabble in a club over a woman. But ten days after that so-called squabble, Ray was dead. Wamsley wondered if the woman he had met at the racetrack was a reason for the slaying. He told WHIO, Apparently she was also seeing a guy in the Dayton area who was probably one of the major drug dealers. Raymond didn't tell me that, but some other people did, that that's why he was beaten up. 
Wamsley said he told Dayton police officers about what he heard at the time of the slaying. But after hearing WHIO's news story last year, a new generation of investigators said they hadn't heard that before. Police don't suspect the mystery woman of anything, but last year put out the word that they'd sure love to talk to her, hoping she could shed some new light on the old case. Anyone with information should call 937-333-7109. Wamsley, a veteran of law enforcement, suspects that whoever killed Reinhardt is either dead or in prison. He said he knows from experience, quote, that was their path. They were going to be the one or the other. All right. Well, that's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and may all of your mysteries have happy endings. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.